website. It's hungtgirl.com. You can click on the pictures there. and They're actually free videos. I update them every week. Click on the pictures on Hung Tea Girl. There, um, they'll appear differently depending on whether you're on a laptop, PC, or your um, mobile device. You'll get the most videos if you um, use your um, a PC or laptop. But there'll be videos there for you either way. You can um, get a membership, a subscription, make a donation. I appreciate the contribution. Or just check out the free stuff. All of the above are very much appreciated. Um, I'm still adjusting to her learning how to use this um, this um, picture within a picture or whatever it is. But hopefully it works out for you. You can see here what we do here um, is go over the spiritual side of me. And it's um, checking out the Gospels of Jesus Christ chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Because um, as always, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, you should let Jesus have the last word on any given subject. Particularly if he went through the trouble of uh, bringing us that word and covering it for us before his suffering. So anyway, that's what we, what we do here with The Naked Truth. You can check out the other, one, other pages of The Naked Truth, um, past readings, um, and Living Water Chapel pages there on my site to get an idea of um, a better idea of some of the messages that I've been able to understand of what Jesus had to say to us about different things. But anyway, we're going to pick up where we left off at the in the book of John. We went over chapter 5 where um, Jesus was um, basically saying that if you're going to honor God the Father, you can only do that if you're also honoring God the Son, uh, that be Jesus. And if you don't, honor Jesus, then you're not honoring God the Father either. Uh, that's what happened in John chapter 5, among other things. And he basically gave us um, a description of different forms of witnesses that um, testified that he was coming from the prophecies before in the Old Testament to John the Baptist, to the works that he's even doing, and even God himself being a witness that Jesus is the Savior to Christ that was prophesied of in the Old Testament. So um, that's what we went over in John chapter 5. If you want, you can grab your Bible and read along with me or read it here um, um, uh, in John chapter 6. And we're going to begin at verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw the signs which he performed on those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. So Jesus is about to perform a miracle. If you've heard the fishes, the fish and the loaves, this is what it's referring to when Jesus uh, performed that miracle. Um, but he's sort of... Um, not testing the disciples, but just feeling them out, asking them, what is it? What do you think we should do when he already knew what he was going to do? Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon's, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there's a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, 
in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, and likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. So basically, Jesus was able to take what they had on hand, the loaves and fish, and multiply them to make them enough for everyone to feed the multitude. And the lesson there, I believe, is Jesus gives us Christians the gospel, the message, and he expects us to carry that forward and feed the multitudes, to share that with the world. Um, partly it's what I am trying to do here um, by doing these readings, um, is to carry the message forward, even though like no one sees this. But um, still have to do it. That's what he tells us to do. We're supposed to share it whether people will hear it or not. And um, he's telling them to gather up the fragments that remain. So one of the things that some preachers will preach is that the fragments are dangerous and it's leftovers from what people have to contribute. It's not that at all. The fragments are left over from what Jesus provided. And again, other preachers will say that um, Jesus didn't do the feeding the disciples did. That's not true either. If Jesus weren't there to multiply it and perform the miracles, the disciples wouldn't have had anything to feed them in um, actually, the disciples are acting as waiters, if anything, and Jesus is providing the food. They're just handing it out. Similarly, Jesus is providing the message, the gospel, the feeding, the food, the bread that we're supposed to feed on as Christians. And we're, as waiters, waitresses, are supposed to pass it out and share it. That's our role as the disciples. Therefore, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that Jesus did, said, "Truly, This is truly the prophet who is to come into the world. So the people were believing that Jesus had a divine presence, and part of it was based on oh, excuse me, the fact that they were able to um, be fed. Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum, and it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. So one of the things to notice there, I think, is that um, we're supposed to follow the example that Jesus sets. And one of the things Jesus often does is withdraw himself from the multitude, even from his disciples, and uh, focus on uh, commuting with God. And I think that's the message that we're supposed to do. There are times when we're supposed to uh, fellowship with other Christians. We're also obviously supposed to fellowship with non-believers because how else, who else are you going to spread the word to if it's, if it's not people who don't already know and non-believers. But we're also supposed to separate ourselves sometimes and um, communicate only with God and let that be our um, focus. Um, so that's what Jesus did. He separated himself from them. And as soon as he did, you notice that they ran into storms. And I think that's also a, another layer to his message that storms of life will come along when um, when um, we don't feel like Jesus is right there with us. But, um, well, let's keep reading. Um, 
and got into the boat and went over. Then the sea arose because a great wind was blowing. So they ran into a storm. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. So if you ever heard the saying that somebody people somebody is held in such high esteem that people think they walk on water that's where it's coming from the fact that jesus walked on the water here um and that he, his goodness so there it's a contrast people uh, it's a comparison people will draw with each other saying oh he's so good he walks on water he can't do any wrong um no one is really like that except jesus but he said to them it is i do not be afraid then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. So Jesus saw they were in trouble and came to them. And I think that's the, uh, again, that's the layer of the message. Oh, excuse me. Trying to figure out this software and this um, Zoom and Twitch and all of this at the same time. It's exhausting. But um, So forgive me. But uh, So I think that's the message there that even though um, the disciples... Uh, ran into a storm ran into trouble when jesus wasn't physically there with them jesus still could see what's going on with them and come to the rescue and that's the thing we hope for as christians now even though we don't have jesus's physical presence with us um when things come up or at all but we have his spirit with us and we have his teachings with us and that those things are what it is that we are have to lean on for our comfort and in and deliverances and the message he came to them when he when he message he brought when he came to them was don't be afraid. Um, so then the boat then they willingly received him into the boat and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. On the following day, when the people who are standing on the other side of the sea saw that there was no other boat there except that one which Je which his disciples had entered, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they also got in the boats and came to Capernaum seeking Jesus. So it lets you know the people are um, dedicated to finding out where Jesus is, Jesus is and getting some help from him and pursuing him, which is, I think, another message for us is that uh, we're supposed to pursue Jesus. We're supposed to pursue what it is His will, what His will is for us in life, and pursue it just as, just like the people did here in this example. And when they found Him on the other side of the sea, they said to Him, "Rabbi, when did you come here?" And Rabbi basically just means teacher. Jesus answered them and said, "Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled." So that's why I named this message, this reading, motives. Their motivation isn't necessarily the um, spiritual growth or uh, getting closer to the kingdom. It's to get fed again. And that's what Jesus is telling them there is that they got the wrong motives. They got the wrong motivation. Their heart isn't in the right place. They're seeking food. They're looking for something to eat when he's got bigger things going on. And he's able to feed them spiritually. He's saying, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to, to, everlast to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. So Jesus is saying that's the food they should be seeking, that's the food we should be seeking. That of course we know we have to eat, otherwise you can't live. But he's saying that's not the food you should be searching for when it comes to 
pursuing Jesus. It's the food that leads to life everlasting that Jesus can that Jesus provides if we're willing to take it and eat of it. And he's saying that that's the mission that God sent him on to bring us. His words, again, why we have to focus on the red letters of the Bible, because there's not many of them, so that should make it even easier to try to live by, because it's not like there's loads and loads and books and books of doctrine and dogma that you're going to have to try to follow. Jesus laid it out in basically the four books of the gospel, and that's, that's what we should be looking to as our guide as Christians. Then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? So this is basically asking, what's God's will for us to do? And it's only like three places, as far as Christians, where Jesus mentions what God's will is for us to do and what his work is for us to do. And two of them are mentioned in this chapter. And Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God that you believe in him whom he sent. Very simple. And again, that reemphasizes the fact of Red liter, uh, it reemphasizes the importance of red letter Christianity that you have to focus on what it is Jesus has to say because he's telling us very clearly if you want to do what God's work is it's to believe in Jesus the one whom he sent therefore they said to him what sign will you perform in that we may see it and believe you what work will you do our fathers ate manna in the desert as it is written he gave them bread from heaven to eat so even though Jesus just performed signs for them they just saw it. They just ate of the loaves. Thousands and thousands of people didn't have anything to eat. There weren't any refrigerators. There weren't any electric or gas stoves. And yet Jesus was able to produce enough food to feed them all. And yet just that quickly, human nature, they don't even remember that. They're wondering what sign is he going to show them. And it's, it's almost, it seems insulting. It's like you're following him around and you know he's able to do these things, even following him on foot. But you're still asking for signs. But I guess that's, again, that's human nature. And they're pointing back when they say their fathers ate manna. That's in the Old Testament if you want to read about it. After they, the Israelites were delivered from slavery in Africa, they um, one of the signs that they received along the way as they were exiting, and it's in Exodus if you want to read about it, is that they were hungry and they began to complain against God and wonder, well, what did you bring us out of Egypt for if you're going to let them starve in the desert? So Jesus, so God actually provided them, if you're going to believe the Old Testament, bread from heaven in the sense of, and it's called manna, and it just translates to what's that? Because they didn't know what it was, but um, it was what they ate for those 40 years while they wandered in the desert, uh, in the wilderness, trying to find their way to what we now call the Holy Land, Israel, Palestine, whatever you want to call it, right there between the Mediterranean and the Jordan River. Um, along the way, that's what they had to eat. Um, so um, they're asking, similarly, they were like, well, God gave our forefathers that kind of bread. What kind of sign are you going to do? Kind of sassy. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my father gives you the true bread from heaven. So um, that could have a dual meaning there, letting us know that what the people received in the Old Testament wasn't actually bread from heaven. Um, it could have been some; it had to be something else. Jesus is saying very clearly that uh, that's not that's not the real bread from heaven. But he's saying, um, for the bread of God is He who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. So he's saying the real bread from heaven that's really going to feed you and sustain you and nourish you is what God sent, the 
being Jesus, the Savior, that that's what's going to give us life. That's what we're going to have to feed on. And again, if you're going to be a, call yourself a Christian, it's his words, Christ's words that you have to feed on and live by. Then they say to them, Lord, give us this bread always. So you see they're, they're focusing on the physical. They're still thinking about bread that you eat. They're not actually thinking about spiritual sustenance and being fed that way. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So um, Jesus is letting us know that for our nutrition, as far as um, a, a spiritual health and well-being, Jesus is that bread. Jesus is what we're going to have to feed on. And Jesus is what we should, who we should look to for that nourishment. But I say to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. So um, Jesus is recognizing that they have their doubts. And it's clear because they just saw him perform the sign with the fish and loaves. And yet they're asking for a sign. And he's telling them, I know that you don't believe in me. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I'll by no means cast out. So Jesus is letting us know there that no matter where where you are in life or how other people may judge you or see you, transgender people again can probably relate to this better than most um, because people judge us by how they think we are by how we look or our appearance or whatever it is how they knew us before uh, that's what a lot of people will judge us by Jesus is letting us know no matter how other people see you he'll accept whoever comes to him it's who, whosoever will as the saying goes that um, he won't cast you out that whoever you are however you are come to Jesus and he'll accept you and won't be cast out for I've come down from heaven not to do my own will but the will of him who sent me so Jesus is letting us know that his mission wasn't something he cooked up for himself that he's only doing what God would have him do and that that's what his job was while why he was here to perform God's will this is the will of the father who sent me and this is the second place where you get to figure out what it is God, what God's work is, what God's will for us is. This is the second place in this chapter where he'll talk about it, uh, what God's will is. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. So um, God's will clearly is that we're saved, that our souls are saved. That's Our soul salvation is what God's will is, and not that we're lost. And um, Jesus says it very plainly, that's what God's will is for us, that we aren't lost. Although, you know, a lot of people don't accept him. For I've come down from heaven, oh, this is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he's given me, I should lose nothing but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So that, lets, that addresses both those who saw Jesus physically when he walked the earth, but also us who don't see him and yet believe that God's will is that we're all saved. And unfortunately, not everyone will accept that. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I'm the bread which came down from heaven. So uh, they're thinking in a physical sense and they're wondering, well, who do you think you are, basically? Um, wondering how is it you're saying you came down from heaven and they said it's not this Jesus the son of Joseph whose father and mother we know 
How is it then that he says, I've come down from heaven? So again, transgender people can relate to this. No matter what, how you change yourself or how um, you transition or no matter what you become. And then other people can relate to this too. Um, because you may start out in one place in life and then through education or opportunity or whatever, change yourself. Ex-cons can relate to this. No matter how you may change yourself and change your life and reform, people are still going to look at you how you were before and tend to judge you on that. And it, a lot of them will call themselves Christians who do it. Um, but Jesus is letting us know. Uh, well, the people there are doing that to Jesus. They're saying, well, we know who you are. We know you're Joseph's son. So how is it you think you came down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, do not murmur among yourselves. So Jesus knows they're being sassy. And he's telling them, um, to, don't sit up and wonder these things about yourself. Wonder these things to yourselves and gossip about it. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up at the last day. So Jesus is making it clear to us there that although he's sent spreading the message worldwide, and that's our job also as Christians, as followers, as believers, to spread the word and bring uh, whosoever will to God, um, that nobody's actually going to go to follow Jesus unless God chose for them, chose for us to uh, pursue him. Sort of like I've said before, I think that uh, we have free will to take this road or that road the right way or the wrong way that's where our free will comes in but i think in the big picture of it all god already has it determined and knows which way we're gonna go and um but he still presents us with a choice and he knows which choices we're gonna make in the big picture of things and in that sense like jesus just said no one's gonna come to jesus unless the father god chooses to have it be that way so i think in that sense things are already predetermined and and, and that Almost as if, like I've said before, it's a play that uh, God is putting on or um, a script that God has already um, decided on or written out or a picture God has already painted. And I mentioned this before that other, other religions believe or other beliefs, other people believe that there's um, an Akashic rest record, I think is what it's called, where everything in time is already laid out and some people prophets seers have the vision the ability to tap into that um a sixth sense to be able to tap into that and see the paths that people are going to take and be able to look ahead prophetically like that and know it um so um that's like another person another group of people that believe similarly that it's already laid out what paths we're going to take and jesus is saying the same thing here that no one's going to come to Jesus unless God has already determined for it to be that way. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So when he says they shall all be taught by God, he's referring back to the Old Testament. Let me see if I see where it talks about that. Um... I don't see it in my Bible right off hand, but it is referring to an Old Testament um, um, passage where um, it, the God in the Old Testament says that uh, you won't need to find go to your brother and say, oh, no, God, you need to know the Lord. You need to know the Lord. Instead, 
they'll all be taught by God and that's being fulfilled in their presence right then because God's walking with them and teaching them what it is they need to know though they won't necessarily accept it and it's been passed down for us to know it too though many of us won't accept it therefore everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me um, so again Jesus is saying that if you paid attention to what God had to say and uh, if you paid attention to the Old Testament and let that be your way that leads you to Jesus. Or if you've um, heard Jesus' preaching yours, um, yourself without knowing the Old Testament at all. And let that be what leads you to Jesus. Jesus is saying both ways, either way, you're only going to come to Jesus if God chose to have you um, approach and believe. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he was from God. He has seen the Father. So this lets you know also, I feel like that... Um, Regardless of what, because in the Old Testament it says different people saw God at different points. Um, in one place it says that they they um, saw the Lord high and lifted up, and He's described as the Ancient of Days. In another place, um, Moses is walks with God, and he doesn't actually see His face, but sees His form. Here, Jesus is making it clear that no one has seen God at any time, and so um, that should. Again, it should call. It may be tough for you to accept, or may not want to believe it, but you can still try and make sense of the Old Testament, believing that those people saw God at different points, because those aren't the only places where people are. Well, Abraham, for instance, before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, is said to have God walked upon him, and he cooked a meal for God, or had his wife cook a meal for God. And again, Jesus is saying here, no one has seen God at any time except he who is from God. That would be Jesus. He has seen the Father. So that lets you know that even though there are, are divine stories in the Old Testament that have been passed down, and even though the people here that are confronting Jesus and constantly are in his face about different things that conflict with the Old Testament, those clearly must not have been from God. It may have been some divine presence, uh, maybe even an evil presence. It may have, the things could have still happened, but Jesus is saying that those weren't God. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. So Jesus is saying through him, through Christ, our faith in Christ, that's the way to life everlasting, to heaven. I'm the bread of life. And so he reemphasizes re there that the bread that's going to give us life is Jesus. His teachings, his word, his gift of the crucifixion and resurrection his life and his teachings that's what actually leads to life if you're a believer if you're willing to believe it your fathers ate manna in the wilderness your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead so um he's letting them know yeah they ate that bread in the old testament that's where it happened um and, but he's letting them know they're dead that didn't that didn't give them life everlasting that was bread that fed them while they walked on the earth this is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. So Jesus is a different bread that he's trying to get than the bread that their forefathers eat um, to make it through their trials in the wilderness. And his bread um, lets you pass from death into life. And he's, he realized that in chapter 5 also. I'm the living bread which came up uh, the um, oh, your fathers ate the man in the wilderness and said, this is the bread which comes down from heaven, that one may eat of it and not die. I'm the bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever.
forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh for the life of the world. Jesus is letting us know there that um, not that we're eating his flesh, but that he's going to give up his flesh in fiction and lay down his life. So the last thing, if we're willing to believe it and accept it, basically eat of it. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're thinking in the cannibalistic sense, like it doesn't, why is he telling us we need to eat him? That, and, you know, they're probably disgusted by thinking he must be crazy. Then Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. So now, of course, that would probably make most people freak out, thinking, well, he's eat his body, and that's the way to get to heaven. But it, it's been passed down now where we use the communion um, um, ceremony to eating Christ's flesh and drinking Christ's blood when we present eating and drinking um, Christ. Whoever eats drinks my blood is eternal life and I'll raise him up at the last day for my flesh is food indeed and my blood is drink indeed. So Jesus is letting us know there that if you want life everlasting, it's only through him. It's only through eating his flesh and drinking his blood. That I think meaning in his word and accepting it and living it and that that's how we're going to um, uh, get to the life everlasting not just uh, even not just eating the communion bread and drinking that wine and thinking that that's going to get you in heaven that's not I don't think that's what he's referring to for one that's not what he says we just do that symbolically to represent our faith in it for two he's saying very clearly there that it's um, the work of God. The work of God is that you believe in him whom he sent. So I think that when he says eating his, his blood, taking in his message and letting that nourish us and be our, um, our, um, our meal, as it were. And in that way, we'll abide with him. We'll be one with him. That's how we join with the divine by focusing on what it is he has says that was his mission to bring as the living father sent me and I live because of the father so he who feeds on me will live because of me uh, feed on what it is Jesus had to say focus on what it is and that's the way to get to the father that's the way to get to life everlasting this is which came down from heaven not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead he this bread will live forever Jesus is emphasizing that don't focus on the old testament Think and believe there. Don't focus on that at all. Focus on what it is Jesus came to bring us, the message he came to bring us, his words. These things he said in the book as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many as this heard said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And it is. It's kind of, um, it's a lot of symbol symbolism. So it's kind of, it may be, it's obviously, it's difficult to think of eating someone and drinking their blood and thinking that's going to get you in the hell. He's talking about physically eating his flesh or drinking his blood. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does it end you? So he knows that what's going on. He knows, hears their murmurings. He recognizes that they don't believe. And he's asking them, well, is this turning you away from me, basically? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? So he's asking them a, a rhetorical question. He's like, well, what if you see me go back up to heaven? Well, is that going to be the change? It is the spirit that gives life. The flesh is nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are. So this lets us know, I think, a very deep message. That no matter 
to do to your body, whether it's tickling it, whether it's piercing it, whether it's circumcising it, none of those things are going to profit your spirit. All of those are just things flesh. It's the spirit, God's Holy Spirit, that actually leads us to everlasting life. No matter what you do to your body, that that's going to happen. It's his words. Like you said, it's his words that are in our life, and it's his words that leads us to that everlasting life. Again, to focus on the red letter, if you want to be a Christian, focus on the red letters. Focus on what Jesus had to say. Again, you're going to rush an example of what other people had to say. on the line with what he had to say, but he's the only one who came and gave his life through the suffering and crucifixion and resurrection and still being faced with doubts um, for us. But it was only him. But there are some who do not believe. So Jesus is letting them know that uh, for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were, who did not believe, and who would betray him. So even from the beginning, even though Jesus knows that aren't going to believe, even among his disciples, and who's going to betray him, even among the disciples, and not just this, because Peter also betrayed him three times in the night before he was crucified. Thomas, even after he was resurrected, and like I said, Judas betrayed him even to the crucifixion. So Jesus went on ahead and he said you can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. So the message is for everyone and though he casts a wide and he sends us out to go out and catch men, fish for men uh, to, to spread the word basically, none of, nobody's going to actually believe. Nobody's going to be led to believe unless God the father already decided to be so already predetermined from that time many of his disciples went back and walked him no more then jesus said to the 12 do you also want to go away so um jesus recognizes that many of them are falling away just like now people don't believe many people aren't even focused on god anymore um, um and jesus knows it and it doesn't stop him from spreading the message and I can attest to that myself. I, n nobody watches these, um, very few people, a handful of people have even watched any of these uploads. And yet you're supposed to still spread it out there. You're supposed to still put it out there. You're supposed to still share it because that's our mission as Christians. Similarly, Jesus knows that the even some of his own disciples are going to betray him, um, away from him. He sees them walking away from him right there as he's giving the message. But he knows when that mission is to go ahead and preach it anyway, um, whether they accept it or not. Um, do we all want to go away too? He says that to the disciples. To whom shall we go? Words of eternal life. Also, we've come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, um, even though Peter says this now, he's still going to betray him three times before the crucifixion that he was going to do that um, and even still after that still going to doubt that he resurrected until they accept him themselves I think that served for us to help reaffirm our faith that we don't necessarily know how um, the things we're going through are going to turn out and what we're doing to uh, let us know that even though we have doubt so did the disciples and they saw the miracles they them and experienced it and even then they still had their doubts so don't beat yourself beat the 12 and one of you is a devil so um, again this is sort of like predestination who's going to be saved and who's going to follow them and, um jesus even knowing before he wanted them 
he says even is a devil so um it's pretty hard but it lets you know that jesus knew that he still didn't cast him out he still had him follow along that goes to the love your enemies um preaching that jesus gave those who spitefully use and persecute you he knew that he knew that peter was gonna he knew that thomas was gonna doubt he knew all those things but he didn't cast them out as disciples he didn't turn them away he still let them fall right along with him to fulfill the big picture idea of what it is God had in mind his plot grand scheme of things and didn't fight against it but went along with it um, as his spoke of Iscariot the son of Simon for it was he who would betray him being one of the twelve I read letters that's what the um, who um, wrote says that he meant as far as the one who will betray him but again Judas was um, Jesus so did um, even after all of his suffering um, but at any rate the writer there is saying that he's talking about that one was the devil but and truly uh, it says the devil in him just before the crucifixion but it was also the devil who Jesus actually rebuked when at that the crucifixion was ever and we went over that in a recent you can look back on them if you want um, um, Jesus was going on his mission regardless of who it is was going to believe and who it is going to deny him he still had a mission to perform and he did and that actually ends this reading I reached out with me and um, bearing with me through figuring out how these um, different programs work with screen and screen and all of that again um saturday night after midnight uh, after revelation and we have our matt and mark mondays where we go over those gospels and god willing next wednesday john and gospel so in anyway, take care of yourself careful, wear a mask bored with the coronavirus and you got your president things are normal even though uh he signed a waiver before you go to the rallies this weekend that should be a clue to that it's not a hoax. If it were a hoax, you wouldn't just sign away if you get sick. So, head, wash your hands, be safe, and be good to each other. God bless you again for reading along with me.